ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. My name is Ken Burke, and man, do we have a treat today. Someone that is so inspiring and probably more athletic than I could ever dream of, Melvin Adams. Melvin is a former Harlem Globetrotter. He has won a couple of Mr. Globetrotter Awards, and now he speaks across the globe, motivating and preaching to people through his words and his actions. Melvin, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, man, it's good to be here, man. Good to be with the real Mark Wahlberg. Mark? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> but, no, I am so thankful that you agreed to come on. Uh, I mean, you've talked to millions of people in your time, uh, speaking and motivating. And, you know, just listening to some of the talks that you have on YouTube and other platforms, I mean, I got inspired myself. Like, it is, your story is so motivating and so inspiring to so many people. But I'm going to jump right in here because, I mean, there's no way I could explain everything you've been through. So can you just start off by talking about your testimony and how you came to the faith through sports and athletics? Yeah, well, I grew up in Houston, Texas. You know, it's uh, so flat you can see your dog run away for two weeks. <laughs> uh, you know, my, my dad was a cop, uh, but he was very abusive. Uh, I had a mom. She's a great mom, but no matter what I did, was ever good enough. You know, you had an 89, should have got a 90, 90, should have got 91. And so I was a young kid, you know, grew up in poverty. You know, we were so broke. If you drive the robbers, you'd be practicing. So I'm going to school, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm angry. I'm suicidal. And there were just two, two, two teachers, man. One of them was a believer. She didn't, she didn't talk about it, but she lived it. And, uh, you know, she didn't beat you up with hair with the Bible. She just, she simply lived it every day. And she would just tell me simply that I was awesome, that I was amazing. She gave me my first birthday party, and. And I went from making all F's to being on the honor roll, first one to graduate from college. And uh, she just, just literally changed my life. And that kind of started as I went on to college. Uh, my roommate used to smoke weed, drink, you know, have sex with girls, but he read the Bible every night. Mm. And I was more impressed with the fact that he read the Bible. So kind of reading that, kind of God started to reveal himself to me because what I love so much, it got taken away from me. So it was kind of through that journey that I came to know him. And then sports just kind of, drew me closer to him and taught me how to trust in him. And then eventually showed me how to use the sport to draw people to him. Yeah, that's amazing. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about your sports, uh, the sports you played. What has been your favorite part about, you know, playing for used to the Harlem Globetrotters and in college and, you know, now being a motivational speaker, what's been the best part about that? Well, you know, playing professionally was amazing. Uh, playing college ball was, was amazing. Um, never would have thought that God would have used uh, the game of basketball the way he has. And so, um, you know, I think I would have eventually been speaking kind of to the world, but I think God used the Harlem Globetrotters, the title, because everybody has great memories of the Globetrotters. So that kind of opens up the door. And it's also like not non-threatening, you know, especially as a believer, I'm able to go all, all across the world in places, not just the church. You know, I'm able to go into, you know, anywhere and, and be accepted because of Globetrotters. And through that, I just kind of let my light shine uh, by being a man of integrity, you know, and kind of let my, my, you know, my private life adds up to my public. Hmm. You mentioned this a little bit. When did you realize to let, you had to let God into the sports you played? Was there like a specific moment, uh, you know, when did you realize that he has to be involved in the sports and also everything that you're involved in your life? You know, you know, I think, I think we're, we're on the road, Ken, we were in LA and we would have this celebrity night. All these celebrities would come out, you know, you know, Michael Jackson, that was like a poor black boy grew up to be a rich white lady. You know, all these different <laughs> celebrities would come out 
And uh, and so we're you know we're signing autographs for them. They're signing autographs for us. And then there was this girl, and she she was selling millions of records. You know, girls wanted to be like her. Boys wanted to date her. And she comes over, man. And I'm just kind of cracking jokes about her songs. And I don't know why I can, but you know, and again, this doesn't normally happen to me, but for some reason, I just felt the Holy Spirit just say, you know, it, it seems like you're dealing with some low self-esteem, some insecurity. And so she looked around, and she started crying, she took off running, and all of a sudden her bodyguard came, you know, big, big old black dude, big, big fried chicken and cornbread, brother. He was huge. And so he was like, he, you know, he was like, she wants to talk to you. So I'm walking and you know, he's breathing heavy. I'm thinking this dude gonna kill me. She's gonna write a song about it. It's gonna be number one on MTV for about three weeks called I Killed a Brother at Midnight. <laughs> and so I get into the I get into the limo with this with this with this girl, man, that's selling millions of records. You know, girls wanna be like her boys on a date her. And she she takes off this glove on her arm and it is razor cuts mm. all on her arm. And I began to realize at that moment that, you know, all of these people that I would see on TV and and I'm getting to travel the world and living my dream and living a great life. And I'm realizing that I'm, we're making people laugh for, for two hours, but people are going home to 22 hours of hell. Mm. And that's when I was just kind of convicted. You know what I mean? I was like, man, like, I'm, thank you, God, for allowing me to live my dream. But he said, I allowed you to do that for a bigger purpose because it's not about you. It's not about you being famous. It's about you making my name great. And when I started to understand that, uh, God began to send me out and do far more than I'd ever done with the globe travels as far as reaching the world. Mm, yeah, that is that is amazing. I, I I can't even imagine like being in the, in your shoes when you know you were going into the limo. That's just that is petrifying. But <laughs> <laughs> so today I really wanted to focus on on this episode on how athletes can be both salt and light in the sports that we play uh, as Christian athletes. So. How can we, you know, quote unquote, stand out or shine for Christ? How can how can Christian athletes do this in their lives, practically? Well, you know, Ken, I think like me and you were talking earlier today. Um, we we see a lot of believers, like you know, uh, especially in the sports, but I mean, in the world, but especially in the sports, uh, we we even in the church, man, we 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 talk this talk, but we don't really live it. Mm. And the world sees that and they see past our hypocrisy. So for me, um, I started kind of shutting up and just starting to live it mm. because people are tired of hearing us talk because it's easy to get on a podcast or, or, or behind a pulpit and preach. But most of those people aren't even living their life. Even in the church, there's 6% of people in the church. Uh, uh, there's 6% 6, 6 people in the church, uh, you know, get divorces and it's 40% of the world. Mm but we're supposedly the church. So I think as an athlete, uh, we just have to like, you know, like love your wife, man, be, be faithful. Um, when you say you're going to do something, do it. Mm. And so for me, even as I played, I, I didn't go into the Globetrotters smacking dudes in the head with the Bible. I just, I lived it, you know, like when they would go clubbing, I, I didn't, in the beginning I didn't, and then I was lonely. Then I went, and then I ended up leaving seven seven guys from the Globetrotters and then seven guys from another team for the Lord mm. just because of, like, I, I admitted my wrong, and then I asked them to keep me accountable. And they were just blown away by that. Wow. And so they began to see me live it out. They began to see me I was on the road. I would find, like, youth pastors and have them hang out with me after the game. And it was just a, it was a day-to-day -day thing. And then even even admitting when you, when you fail, mm. I think they, they honored that instead of trying to act like we're perfect or we got it together. 
they want to see the progression so that they could see like you know like your realness yeah yeah i i can't tell you how many times i mean i've had guests on this podcast that they're just like hey you don't you don't have to go around beating people in the head with a bible like you said you if you live out how christ lived out on this earth that's enough and that's what christ called us to do and as christian as christian athletes like if you play your sport in a way that glorifies god people see that and they saw it in you i'm sure i mean when you were when you were had no idea about who was in your city and you find a random youth pastor to hang out with you know that's that's amazing to me so was there ever a time in your career or life where you felt like you you, you couldn't be a light for Christ because I feel like a lot of times now with whatever it is, social media or fitting in with a popular crowd for, you know, high schoolers and even college kids, how, how did you ever feel like you couldn't be that because of your situation or your status? No, man, you know, I, I mean, when I got saved, I tell people this, but like athletically, I mean, I shot about 3000 jump shots every day. Mm. I ran three miles every day. I mean, I was driven. But again, it was all because I just wanted my mom to say she loved me. Mm. Um, but everything in that athletic transferred into my my walk as a believer. Like when I got saved, it wasn't just words that I said in my mouth. It was things that I lived out in my life, mm-hmm. you know, every day. And so there was never a time, even as an attitude, there were never times. I mean, obviously there were times I doubted. I mean, I'm 5'8". And there were many days I thought maybe I'm not good enough, you know what I mean? But I would read stories of David and Goliath and, or Gideon, um, and God just uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, but we just have to believe. So I just, I mean, once I start kind of, you start thinking about yourself, yeah, you're going to start doubting, but when you start leaning on his strength, then you realize you can do more than what you can even imagine because it has it's not you that's doing it anyway. You know, it's him doing it through us. It gives us the strength and the faith to go, I know I can do it. Mm, yeah, amen, amen. I mean, I know people that, you know, maybe they, they feel like they aren't good enough or perhaps they get too worked up and feel like they're, they damage their testimony while they're playing sports. You know, they get, emotions are high when you, when you're playing sports and I'm sure you know that. Um, but I mean, he, God uses murderers, he uses adulterers, he uses criminals and so many more people to glorify God. So, I mean, if you're listening right now, like who's to say he can't use you? Like, if he can use somebody that murdered somebody, like, what your sin is, is nothing compared to what God has used. You know what I mean? It speaks to everyone around you when you let him, let him work in your life. Yeah, it, you know, it's funny. I was talking at camp, uh, FCA camp in Georgia, and I was saying, can you imagine, like, you're playing in front of 30,000 people. You know, they're screaming your name. And then after the game, there's 3,000 girls that look like Beyonce. Every, every game, you know, and, and you don't have 12 guys on the team talking about, hey, let's get on Ken Burke's Christian podcast. You know, they're, you know what I mean? Like, you, you may say no to that, but then you take a shower, you're on the way to the bus, it's going to get you to the hotel. There's, there's 1,500 girls that look like Rihanna, and they're shining bright like a diamond. You know what I mean? And then, like, you, you may say no to that, but then you get to the hotel, and then you got 300 of those girls that get through security, and they're on the way to your room looking like Zendaya. And, and we're on the road uh, 11 and a half months out of the year. And so, um, you know, if you're just kind of going out in that world all on your own, you know, and, and so guys are watching you. You know, when I came on the team, everybody knew I went to a Christian college. 
you know, they knew I was a believer. But again, I, I didn't I didn't walk around, you know, like, you know, throwing the Bible and, you know, again, I just I just lived my life. And the first month was just uh, I was dealing with my mom, the insecurity of, you know, so I saw God through the eyes of my mom. Like I had to score more points, make more money than she would love me. So I just thought, man, if I could just do all this stuff for the Lord. So I got my degree in, you know, youth ministry, and I'm playing basketball, and these guys were watching me. And so one month, I'm I'm just, you know, on the court, it was awesome. But when the game was over, those guys would go do what they were doing, and and I'd be in the room by myself. And there was no, you know, Ken Burke podcast I could have got on and listened to, which would have been awesome back then, to, you know, to get to see like a Mark Wahlberg on, on podcast would be awesome. And, uh, you know. And then, uh, but there was, there was none of that. And I wish there would have been something like that, but there wasn't. Thank God for you and what you're doing now. And so it was a lonely time. So I found myself, uh, I, I go out and then I'm, now I'm drinking, you know, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm having sex. And, 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 it, and I remember, I remember calling my manager who lived in Atlanta and I remember telling her like, I'm wilding out like Nick Cannon. <laughs> and, and she's like, uh, you know what I did today? And I'm like, what? She said, I ate chocolate. And she said, two wrongs don't make a right, but two rights made an airplane. And so she goes, there you go. You got it, white chocolate. So she goes, she goes, you want to know what's in, and there may be people that listen and you may be saying, I keep finding myself going in circles, doing the same thing, not really living a victorious. You may be saved, but you're not set free. And, and a lot of times we hold on to, uh, uh, to unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. So I found myself flying back to Houston, coming face to face with my Goliath, which was my mom. And, uh, and of course, my mom told me she loved me 19 years ago. I'm 50. But she mm. told me 19 years ago, the first time she loved me. And when I tell you, man, it like basketball didn't even mean what it meant anymore. Like, I'm awesome, not because I scored 20 points. Yeah. I'm awesome anyway. And I think a lot of times we, we, we struggle with our identity or we, uh, we, we hide behind the Bible. You know, we hide behind our jobs or, or our titles. And uh, we spend money we don't have to please people we don't like. And that's why 90% most athletes, Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, 90% five years after they retire are broke, divorced, and on drugs. So more people need Ken Burke shows to really give them hope. And so what you're doing, man, I'm, as a father, I'm proud of you, man, what you're doing. So don't stop, you know, don't stop doing it because you're, you know, you're really inspiring and motivating. And, and, and more people will probably realize that, you know, Mark Wahlberg, they didn't know he was a believer. So this, this is awesome. <laughs> you can see my boy, white chocolate. <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you. That, that means more to me than you, you could ever know. Um, but I want to, I want to say something real quick. I want to ask you, because you told me earlier in our phone call, why you use comedy all the time. I, I want you to tell all the listeners that. So, you know, most of the time, you know, I was listening to James Dobson years ago. This was like back in the day, of course. And so I'm listening to James Dobson. My oldest son, Seth was, was, was a kindergarten at the time. He goes, he goes, uh, 80, I think he said 80, 81% or 85% of young people today at that time don't even go to church. Mm -hmm. And he said, by the time my son is a senior in high school, only 1% will go to church. But yet the churches keep doing the same thing. Stevie Wonder can see it don't work, but yet they keep doing the same thing. And if we keep doing what we've always been doing, we're going to keep getting what we've always been getting. And I think a lot of times when I go to these public schools or churches, uh, these kids, you know, their butt's so tight, Moses can part it. You know what I mean? So I just kind of come in and I'll do like, I'll do comedy kind of incognito, you know what I mean? And just like, and what it does is just all these kids are like Jehovah's Witness. They have their walls open 
You know what I mean? And you just come in with the comedy and it, and it breaks the walls and people become open and when you could become vulnerable um, and talk about, you know, not, not just your successes, but talk about your failures because 90% of us connect on our failures more than our successes. So the comedy just opens up doors, man. And like I said, like, mm -hmm. there's probably people listening to this busting up laughing going like, is it okay to laugh? Like, yeah, Jesus had gas. He farted. Like, we act like he was some, <laughs> you know, he was holy, but he was human. You know what I mean? Like, he was and we forget about that. And that's why, you know, obviously he, 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 he came down as a, as a, as a human like us, like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, so he was, although he was holy, but he was, he was a human. So he understands, you know, the things that we go through It's not uncommon for him to go like, wow, I can't understand that. Like, yeah. that's why he came down to understand. So. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. That's, that's such a great point. I mean, God was, I mean, Jesus was a hundred percent God and a hundred percent human. So he experienced twice as much as we're, we're experiencing. So, exactly. so, you know, moving on in my experience, some athletes that don't believe in Christ, maybe, you know, make fun or question our faith. Have you ever had to deal with this? And if so, how'd you deal with that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, you know, people always like, you know, they, you know, cause you're not, you know, in the beginning, you're not, you're not smoking weed, you're not drinking, you know, you're not going out every night, banging different chicks. And so, uh, you know, people will tease you. I mean, but I've been teased my whole life. I remember, I remember, uh, you know, like as a kid, like, you know, if you go to the park and you play basketball, right? So it's like, usually the two best people pick the team. So, so it's about nine people. So, you know, so this guy picked somebody, he picked somebody, he picked somebody. So it's like two people left, it's me and a blind girl, right? <laughs> so, so they get together in the huddle. So I'm like, what the huddle about? You know, even if I can't play, I can see, but you know, they picked the blind girl, but she had the best Nola pass I've ever seen in my life. But anyway, <laughs> you're, you're dealing with, you know, all my whole life I've dealt with like rejection. I remember dating a girl in high school with a lazy eye. And every time I look at it, I'd be like, you know, like looking to the left, right? But but that didn't last long because I found out she was seeing somebody on the side. But anyway, so, you know, so like, I've dealt with, I've dealt with like, uh, you know, rejection or people not, you know, I'm short, I'm 5'8", you know, like a black smurf. So I've dealt with, you're too little or you're not good enough or you don't have what it takes. So that really doesn't, for me, you know, like, I mean, I, I, I walk alone. Obviously, I don't walk alone, but I know what it's like. When, you, when, you, when you're sold out for Christ, it, it's going to be a lonely road because everybody's going upstream and what we, what we live goes totally opposite of what the world says, you know, bang as many chicks as you can. And God says, you know, save yourself till you get married. Like the world says, like, just talk about Ken behind his back and cut him down so you can get to the top. And, and God says, man, love him and serve him. So everything that we, the world says, we, we're totally opposite. So they're going to look at us weird, but if we can stay consistent, we can win so many people uh, to the Lord through our testimony and just our life that we live. Mm, yeah. And, and when you do walk with Christ, when you find those relationships that are godly, I mean, they mean so much more to you than any other relationship. And I think you touched on this a little bit. People will do anything to put down someone that is different. And they will do anything. I mean, this world and the devil are going to find ways to rock you and just shake you. And I mean, God promises something far greater than, than what the devil has to offer. So, so being a Harlem Globetrotter and now motivational speaker, that comes with a massive stage. And I'm, I mean, you've talked to millions of people. How did you stay so humble through all of that? And how did you divert people to Christ instead of yourself? So... You know, 
my dad was six foot six. My, my brothers are six eight, six seven, six two. My mom was five three. So I'm like a like a black Smurf. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my whole life was humbling. I mean, from going to college, my college coach told me I never played college basketball. Told me I was too little. Told me if I did play, they call me windshield wiper because they're gonna swat my shot. And so uh, the road that I had to take kept me humble, even as I in my earlier years. You can look at all my old Bibles and, you know, all I have to stay humble, stay humble. Because I've read about many men that have fallen because of pride or money or women. And so my biggest prayer, man, like, uh, is walk in humility. Of course, you know, most of your people don't, they don't know me. But, you know, if you come see an event I'm at, um, I don't sit in the green room uh, because I'm nobody. Uh, I, you know, because nobody even believes I play basketball when I go to these places because they're looking for a six eight black guy and they get this five eight dude with high heels on. So they don't even <laughs> number one, they don't even think I play basketball. Even when I did play, they thought I bought the uniform from a store or something. <laughs> so there's there was never a time. No, there was a time when when I when I signed my first contract, um, and uh, you know I started kind of feeling myself. But but God got a, has a funny way of humbling us and letting us know that uh, we ain't running nothing. And so, um, so again, I even tell my boys, like, you know, walk in humility. So all these places, I, I tell you, so I, just like I said, I was in Georgia at an FCA event. And I get there, man, the first night, of course, this is a comedy. You know, you're trying to break the walls, let them know, hey, man, this is going to be fun. You know, uh, you know, Ken's going to be coming. So everybody's excited. They're all pumped up. Uh, and so after, after the second speech, when I got up to do the third and the fourth, every time I would walk up on stage, you're talking about 300 boys yelling, Mel Venn, Mel Venn. Mm. And as I'm walking up the stage, in my mind, I'm saying, God, they're, they're talking about you mm. because, because I don't want the glory. I, I don't want it. And so I would typically speak and then I would leave uh, after that point because uh, you know, it's not me, man. It's not, it has nothing. And God says, if you keep that heart, I will always exalt you because you will exalt me. Not, not, it's not about Melvin. And I think sometimes in life, I have many friends, man, who, who throw Jesus out there, but the reality of it is they want to be famous and, and they wonder why, you know, 25, 30 years later, I'm still doing it because my heart has always been about what it's been about. Not about me. It's about him. Yeah. And whenever it gets about me, then you won't be hearing about me no more because God has a funny way of knocking us down and showing us. But he says, as long as you, if you honor me, I'll give you favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I fear God, man. Like, I don't want to disappoint him or let him down. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's so good. I mean, the fact that you have gone this long and you still have that humility and you still understand that, like, Hey, this isn't for this isn't for me. This is for God, and that's the that's the biggest thing for me. So, is there anything specific as we start to wrap wrap it up that you want to sh- that you share with athletes everywhere that you want everyone listening to know today? Man, you know, you know, Mark. Uh, number one, I, I want you to know I'm, I'm proud of you, man. I tell you, if my two boys grew up to be like you, like I'd be a proud father. Like you're you're like you're awesome. Um, you just got married, right? I did. I did. Yeah, yeah, man. I heard, I heard you put a Bible in between you and your wife, and that way she had to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and she knew how to act, and it wasn't no Roman. 
that was that was the NIV. That was the Negro International Version. But um, <laughs> but, but what? But t- tell your wife today, just when she comes home or whatever, just say, "Hey, babe, did you get a speeding ticket?" And she'll go, "What?" And say, "You should have, because fine is written all over you." <laughs> and, you know, so it's from your from your dark chocolate brother. But um, no, man, I just you know I think people need to know that they matter. Mm. I did I did a virtual event. Uh, can and uh, and again, I don't do just Christian stuff. This is a, a a big corporation, Fortune 500 company, and I'm doing this virtual event. And at the end, again, I'm not good at social media, but 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 the you know the, the what do you call the uh, the chats, and they're rolling down, looking like the Matrix. And uh, I get off the chat. The, the lady who booked me calls me and says, "Hey, would it be okay if we gave your number to?" Uh, you know, to the people that work in, I'm like, the first one's kind of weird. I'm like, yeah. So I get a call from the CEO, which is coming to the question that you just asked. And he says, Hey man, he says, I lost my mom a month ago because of COVID. Mm. My wife died five days ago. Mm. He said, when I came into the office to set up the zoom, um, I was going to commit suicide that day. Oh my goodness. He said, but when I saw you, he said, I couldn't take my eyes off of you. He said, you know, you're funny, but your message, and he said, I'm here today because of you. And, and I think about that and I go to answer your question. What if we woke up every day with the mindset of how can we make the world a better place? And the reality of what people need to know is people are struggling, man. People are struggling, uh, not believing they have a purpose, uh, not knowing that they're loved. Uh, there, there are more people lonely today alone, even though we're surrounded by people, there are many people who feel alone. So people need to know, man, like if you're listening, like your love that, the world's a better place because you're here, mm. you know, and, and so don't give up and don't quit because you may be going through something. But I promise you that the, 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 the storms don't last always. The sun will come out. And if you're there, man, if you're listening, man, I challenge you, if you know somebody, man, tell them about Ken's show, man. Like, like get to know this, this guy, man. Listen to this show. It's, it's life changing. You know, if you know some friends that you may be a believer, but you may know somebody who's struggling. Like just just tell them to log on, man, and check out Ken's show, man. They'll never be the same. Mm. You know what I mean? You get to hear about God, see Mark Wahlberg, and then just you know, and just really get to meet a cool white dude, man. So what? How cool is that? That's like McDonald's. It's <laughs> like a value meal. You got everything you need. Like, you got the four from four from Wendy's. <laughs> no, Wendy's. Yeah, hook it up. <laughs> the double meat, all of that. Oh, <laughs> oh man, you're you're awesome. You, I mean. This has been so good getting to talk to you and getting to know you more. Uh, what you're doing in this world is its truly an inspiration, and I hope just to be as cool as you one day. So it was an honor to chat with you, and I know i mean, you're going to touch so many people the rest of your life. So just thank you so much for coming on today. Well, well Ken, thank you again for what you're doing, man. And, and, and again, as a father, I don't know if you hear this from your parents, but man, I'm proud of you. You're doing, a, you're doing an awesome job. You know what I mean? So you, you could go, you could go Mark Warburg or Tom Cruise, either one. You could be the Maverick or you could be the fighter on uh, on his last movie. So you're, you're killing it, man. I love you. I'm proud of you. Tell your wife, man, she has an amazing husband. And, uh, you know, just keep up the good work, man. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melvin. Well, for all the listeners out there, please remember to leave a rating and like for the podcast. It really helps us out. Remember that no matter what, God loves you and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you all next time.